I'm going to start recording just to get it on, but it, we're, this is not the show. But uh, mm. sound check that for me real quick because I didn't hear it. Uh, this, and, oh, this? and the soundboard. Oh, well, I want to do like an introduction, but like a little bit just, different. Just sound check it and then okay. we'll, we'll, st- we'll start the show in a second. Hello. Oh. It's me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I... I <laughs> I that ca- one got me. I that kind one got of, me good. I kind of think the show just started <laughs> with that because I don't know how to top it. Oh, but. that one made me giggle. Oh, God, I love the internet. Uh, oh, low my. effort, just hit it one tap, one thing, scooched on over, and it's yours now. Recording an MP3, I have to turn up every track. You did this; it's yeah. like sort of the very first slash last step schmoo- of the process. It up, yeah. But I can't do that with my voice and with the way your voice is mm-hmm. effectively. I have to fuck with the audio a tremendous amount to get that step to make any sense. Yes, and I don't want to have to do that anymore. It's not that bad. So it's no, it's not. It's not at all. It's, a, it's, it's easy. The little yellow line you're talking about. Yeah, it's fi- it's fine. But I've just gotten more sensitive. To the quality. Oh. And I know that nobody else can notice, but I can notice. I had fun with that, though. I had fun doing that part. Do you want me to do the pre-editing? No, you you have fun with that part because you did it once or twice. <laughs> I have I have done it 45 times. And what I'm, I'm saying is that if it's fun for me and a task for you, you see how this is like, you know, like that kind I, of thing? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's different, man. It's just, no. I would like to main, can, maintain control of the creative process <sighs> when, I, when I host the show. Mm-hmm. But anyway, should we start the show? Do you want to give your drop again? Oh, no. I think we should leave all of this. <laughs> okay. I love Two and a half minutes of microphone tech check. I love I love the sound of bickering because you know what we're actually like leading into is the fact that what we're talking about is that like it only takes one and a half persons to make a podcast, right? Yeah, that's right. So like perhaps if you're mm, 42, uh, hadn't had a failed art blog uh and maybe a career at a gallery that's no longer existent you don't need fifteen thousand dollars a month to make a podcast or that a thousand dollars at that much yeah that's correct and that relates to my tech talk because what i was trying to do is cut down the podcast time from the now three hours a week i spend doing it to a precious one and a half hours Mm -hmm. so if you guys think it's worth working 1.5 hours a week for fifteen thousand dollars a month well, you can give it to Patty Johnson and <laughs> yeah. uh, William Pauhita, but if you do, uh, you are not my friend, and I will actively seek to destroy you at any way I can. This is Sparta! <laughs> yes, welcome. There's been a lot of uh, Gen Xer complaining and misinterpretation out there lately. I feel like they're really going through it, you know? Going through what? Like the, oh my God, everything's supposed to be a little easier. We had a little money saved and we're like, <laughs> what's that? I don't know. They're going Get through used. the disappearance of the old world in a, in a little tougher of a way because they got pretty used to it. They're in their 50s and 60s now and they're like, hey, wait a minute. I can't, I can't have 15. Doggo can't have 15 for treat. They're in like, they're 45. They're on the young, the, the youngest Gen X. Yeah. You know, like they're not millennials, but like... 
God, they are petulant. And I'm like, they listen, really go are. listen to fucking Nirvana and like cut yourself like you used to. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, sorry. Was there a trigger warning there? Should I cancel myself? Trigger warning for cutting? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're, we're, <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to say that we, we are a pro self-harm podcast. If, if you're listening to this to soothe yourself, you can listen to my morning pages episodes coming once a week from here to eternity. Oh, I sure didn't listen to that. <laughs> I, I, I know. I heard the soft voice, and I was like, "Ugh." No. I hope you never do. It is really. It, I'm self conscious about it because it is really cringe. Uh, yeah, I could I could palpate that just from the first yeah. thirty seconds. I was like, "I'm good." I I have a lot of pod. Every podcast now is two hours fucking long, so right. it takes longer to slog through them. And I'm like. <sighs> don't have time for this four minute thing Mm -hmm. i'm sorry well to all the people that reached out with encouraging notes that was really nice and it will keep me doing it and Mm. will is going to do his own solo episodes too we talked about this Um, oh if he ever if he ever gets over his own laziness and petulance speaking of (laughs) you you might get a solo episode from will he has some interesting ideas i forgot what they were well i can remind you but i don't want to spoil it for anyone because i think it'll be a nice surprise so we'll talk about it later oh okay yeah Oh yeah, I was going there it was a lot of snarky bullshit, but you know, it's what you come for. Um but yeah, I my brain has been melting down for the past like 3 days of like obscene asks and shit like if you read the times this morning and saw a uh, money printer go burr be referenced in the paper of record the gray lady and you didn't want to jump out your window I don't know. I I really like the way that the New York Times and other major publications have started referring to internet things, but they always do it in veiled terms. Like um, The Guardian wrote an article about Red Scare doing their episode with Steve Bannon, but, okay. but they called it the podcast that cannot be named. <laughs> what, fucking Voldemort? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Harry Potter brain is real for these motherfuckers. Well, they're English. I mean... He, uh... No, but it happened one other time. Cometown got a mention in the New York Times not that long ago. Like It feels like a year ago, but it was two months ago, and they they wouldn't say it, but they alluded to it. It was really funny. Why Why can't they just say it? Because it's like, oh, we can't, that's disgraceful. I think it's partly that, but it's really more that they're jealous that, like, underground media things are getting more attention than they are, including memes now. They're (sighs) jealous of 4chan memes at this point. Which is bunkers. (laughs) Like, okay, you're the Times. Like, what part, like, either that or there's some, like, weird, twisted writers who are like, well, I only get $30,000 a year and I'm jealous of podcasters. Well, fuck you. You're boring. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You're a copy editor. You don't actually have ideas. Yeah, you know, and I think there is plenty of copy editors with their own podcasts, but it says a lot about them that they're at the same level as us. We never claim to be good at anything. No! (laughs) I'm mediocre at best at a lot of things. Um... Oh my, I gotta say, man, it feels really good to record, because we haven't recorded in almost a week. Oh yeah. And I feel like I've been on a real high, actually, except for yesterday. Were you a little down, down the dumpster, baby? No, you know what it was? I thought I had the COVID yesterday. Oh. I was, turns out, I was actually just really hungover from our little Zoom session with our friends the night Mm -hmm. before, and having one martini, an entire bottle of wine, and four spike seltzers is just... Yeah, you went through it. I was really... I was really having a nice time, but yeah, I did my classic thing when when I hang with friends, which is can't be had to go home at the yeah. end. So, but you tried to send Erica home, and I'm like, and I was looking at your eyes through the screen. Oh, I'm like, no. oh no, you're the drunk one. Oh yeah, because I was, I pounded yeah, yeah two liters of seltzer 
two and a half liters of seltzer. And I was like, I feel great. Um, and then proceeded to watch Ratatouille mm-hmm. while you were yeah. slept it off starting at 11.15. Yeah, I woke up at 1 and I went to bed at 11. But I, w- I really did think I was sick because I don't know if this is happening to you, but every time I get like an allergy or I sneeze, I'm like, okay, here it is. Now now it's time. We're ready. And yesterday I just had body aches all day because mm. I didn't sleep well and I was super hungover and I thought, uh-oh, that's the achy flu feeling. Like, it's coming for me. I'm going to die. Mm-mm-mm. And so I just, you know, I needed some alone time to gather my thoughts and sleep it off. And now I'm fine. I'm back. <laughs> but I cut off all my hair. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't like looking at it across the table. It's very weird. I, I did catch myself in the mirror a minute ago because I haven't seen myself aside from when I did it and took a picture of it. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but I got to say, I, I think. I have longer hair than you do. It's true. Um, Which I need. Yeah, I need to. Yeah, you need to do a similar cut, Friar Tuck, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Gay! <laughs> That's a good one. I like mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I gotta say, I think I wear it pretty well, and it was it was just time. You, you know? could do the thing like just trim the sides and just let the top be just slightly longer. I think that's missing. Interesting, although I think that's a little bit gay. No, no, it's not. That's normal. Yeah, I think. Are because... you sure I wouldn't look like a Hispanic teenager? Yeah, but that's cool. Okay, I guess I don't know. Like you could also go shorter on the sides. Shorter on the sides and leave it a one on the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe yeah. I'll try that. Like, Maybe that's actually that. kind of cool and would look like you went and got a, like, professional haircut. Yeah, but Versus I... Versus I just have to go... No, no. I d- and lawn mower the whole That was fucker. the idea. I'm, I'm going for what I described to my mother as monk aesthetics. That's what it felt like it was time for. You know what I'm saying? I didn't need one more thing to run my fingers through and preoccupy me in my day. I need to clear my headspace. And so I did it very literally. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, you can go. I mean, if I start to see like Franciscan robes get dropped off in an Amazon truck or from, you know, the fucking military and their courier vans outside, I'll be like, huh, well, all right. Um, oh, yeah, it's coming, baby. I'm going to look like a Jedi. Oh, boy. Um, no, I think I'll just go full mustache for the next however long. Really? That's fascinating. I mean, who's Bald that for? Bald and mustache. I, just for me. <laughs> okay. Just for funsies. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Like, or, like, goatee and then do full, like, Heisenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I think you should try that, because I was, I was also trying to channel Jesse Pinkman a little bit. Somewhere between a monk and Pinkman is what I'm going for. Oh, well. And I think you would do, you would do nice as somewhere between uh, Walter White and a gay IDF soldier in Tel Aviv. No. Um... No, I just, it's like, why not? Like, yeah. it's going to be at least three weeks no, that's until what... anyone does anything. So, like, everything will grow back by then. Who gives a shit? Yep, that's what I'm saying. It's t- it's time to experiment with your style. Yeah, like, I manner. can't, like, bleach my hair or, like, color it because there's not enough. So, like, what do you do? Ooh, is that what I should do? Should I go full, like, 1990s in sync style and go blonde short? No, your hair is too dark for that. It'll turn, like, orange. Yeah, I did try it once in seventh grade, and it did turn orange. It didn't complement my rubber bands on my braces very well. Oh, boy. Yeah, no. Um, that's going to be a, a hard pass. Um, <laughs> plus, where are you going to find bleach? Nowhere. Um, or peroxide, even. Can't even find that. I heard if you drink bleach, it kills COVID. Tell the boomers. Well, it'll kill more than COVID. Um, take out a couple other cells on the way out. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. 
Um, can I can I do can I do? There's been so much that's happened this week. Can I do a little politics corner really quick? Oh, we have sure. A, we, do you we, want to pour one out for a real one? Yeah, yeah. I'll t- I'll tee up a couple of things real quick because we we're going back to kind of the lost episode days where we have a theme episode sort of. We actually have a prescribed thing to talk about, which I feel like we haven't done since before the podcast aired. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might have two things because you have your list too. Remember that? What list? It, it's that um. Whatever that was, that's some certain questionnaire. Oh, the that you wanted to questionnaire. Read. So yeah, yeah. we might also be able to get into that if there's time, or we yeah, can yeah. save it. So we have a couple of things that we are teed up to talk about. But I want to do a little politics corner because, yeah, pour one out for a real one. I don't have a pouring oh, sound. No, mm, we don't okay. have that. I thought we had a pouring sound effect. We but, sure don't. Uh, yeah, Bernard Sanders. R.I.P. We, we can also do. Hold on. <laughs> you want me to do that twenty-one was not more times? What I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it sounded like you shot him in the head, not giving him a salute. I, I mean, it wasn't me. My fingerprints are not on the gun. Nancy Pelosi's are, but that's different. Hillary issue. Clinton's. Oh, but well. Yeah, true. But yeah, so Bernie dropped out, and that shit sucks. And I know that there's a lot of people in the Bernie sphere that had a kind of catastrophic last couple of days. I didn't take it so hard, because after Super Tuesday, it was sort of like, well, that's that's the end of that. There's really no returning from that precipice. Um but so, yeah, people are having like a really, a really tough time over it. And I felt like not, I didn't feel very emotional about it because it was coming any day now, right? Mm. I mean, I think anybody could have seen that coming, especially given the onset of COVID or whatever. It's well, I think bad. even like on his own, he was like, why are you asking me about a campaign? I'm trying to solve a fucking crisis. Get out of my fucking face. Right, right, right. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, so it was over, but I have an interesting thought on this, because I don't want to go down the same old avenues that everyone's probably been hearing all week, um, just regarding hot takes of campaign strategy or blah, blah, blah. That's, oh, who cares? None of, that, none of that's very interesting to me. It's in the can now. So I was listening to a podcast today, a podcast that I quite like, but speaking of Gen Xers, hosted by a couple of them, and one of the guys was really going off about the Bernie or bust set because that's the conversation now. And I, and I should, I guess should be up front. I think everybody listening to this already knows, but like, don't vote for Joe Biden. <coughs> so this is, this is what I'm coming to is he goes off on this whole tirade. And it was very interesting actually about how he doesn't agree with that position because back when generation X was a similar age, they were going through the uh, Bush Gore election and the same exact dynamic was at play. Do you know about this? Who uh, who was the alternative to Al Gore? I don't recall. R- Ralph Nader was the alternative to Gore. And, and he's like a Keebler elf. Why would you vote for him? Well, uh, listen, on, on top of that, there was a similar dynamic in that primary. I think it was that one. It might have been the one after that where there was Howard Dean that was to the left of the major Democratic Yeehaw! candidate. Yeah, yeah. That might have been 2004. I might be mixing that, that was up. 2004. But the, sa- yeah. but the same dynamic still applies, where there was leftward options, and then there was the mainline neoliberal, neoconservative options, right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes on to state that like he voted for Nader proudly, right? Mm-hmm. And that he regrets that decision in retrospect, because in a post-9-11 world, Al Gore being the president would have meant a really different situation. Would it have... That's that's what I'm coming to is he's probably right, because if you consider the invasion of Iraq, which is what he said, maybe or maybe not that would have happened. It certainly wouldn't have happened in as catastrophic and bungled a way. Bungled, yeah, is the word. Yeah. But I don't think it's clear at all that it would have definitively not happened. 
And what really struck me about this dude's position was that he had an unwavering faith in the status quo state, right? Like the CIA, the FBI, all the inner workings of the government. He had an unflagging just appreciation and faith in them to do the right thing with the right leadership. That's the caveat, right? Mm. And we call it the deep state for a reason. Because we learned it from Donald Trump, right? So this is my thought now. Is the reason I don't think that his dynamic applies to our situation is that we already know that the levers of power in government would keep moving the same direction anyway. And yes, the Democrat might try to forestall that or might have better, quote, experts oversee that process. But you're probably going to end up in a similar bungle anyway. Just slower. I mean, right? Maybe. What, well, what do you mean maybe? Can you foresee an alternative? Uh, I didn't know. It seems like an inevitability. But, like, what you don't have is maybe Iraq. You might, you probably definitely have Afghanistan still, but maybe you don't have Iraq. Th- that's possible, except... Because there's no daddy issues of, he tried to kill my pappy and I got to go after him. That's that's definitely an element of it. And, of course, you have the machinations of Dick Cheney. Yeah, like, if looking you take to Dick, Dick Cheney out this. of it all fully, you're like, well, maybe none of it happens. But uh, I think you could make an argument that that might have been the case. However, it's pretty well documented that at the time, like, the CIA was also gunning for regime change in Iraq. Because the CIA was a product of George H.W. Bush's administration and his leadership at one point. Those mechanics were already in place and already set. And so you have a similar situation now where just getting Democratic leadership in there is not going to forestall what the CIA and the FBI and the deep state wants to do. It's just not going to happen. They've already made it clear that they act independently. That's the veil that's been, like, thrown off of everybody's eyes recently. It's not Donald Trump and his poor leadership, although that's a huge factor in all of this. But but it's not only that. But wasn't there... What was the thing? What was it? Venezuela? There was some some conflict recently and like well yeah basically basically in venezuela there was a socialist government that was getting along more or less just fine yeah but the u.s sanctioned them heavily because they're an ulterior option Mm -hmm. in our hemisphere and we don't allow that to happen so under these sanctions they started to collapse and a far-right person came in and bolstered by the united states just basically declared that all all of their legit Ah, elections that were. all of their elections were illegitimate threw the socialist out and deposed them they did this all softly yeah. without military intervention <clears throat> but it's it's pretty clear that it was the involvement of the united states that made that possible from sanctions to handpicking maduro the right wing guy yeah but I didn't mean, that's the orange man like fire all those people in the cia or like they'll quit because they're mad well this is interesting so now we come to sort of the final part of this assessment Weirdly, what you just said when you zoom out is that Donald Trump actually stopped that from getting worse. That's fucking by going over the head of the deep state. Right. And throwing the brakes on all of that by firing the people in charge of it. Now, you have to imagine in a potential Biden administration under a similar hypothetical, Joe Biden's not going to fire all of those people. And you have troops on the ground in Venezuela right now. Why? But why? For what reason? No one cares. It's ideological reasons. You know, they're still under a cold... Why does everybody fucking, like... Everyone's still butthurt about the Cold War. Like, it's over... The 80s are over, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's it's done. We don't care. Right. It's been 30 years. We, we just don't care anymore. 
like the wall felt were like great like no one gives a shit well that's the thing whether it's coronavirus or whether it's like a forced deposition of a sovereign government yeah we can't operate under those rules anymore but they have to make it seem like those rules are still in place for the rest of the status quo to make any sense and also to protect their particular private interests. They're trying to protect their money at the end of the day. I mean, that's the unsophisticated way of saying it. But I think there's this whole other hegemonic force that's no single individual's responsibility. But all of a sudden, it doesn't make sense to have a private healthcare system when it doesn't work during a pandemic, right? So you have the same, you have the same kind of functioning, but they need to maintain the Cold War status quo to make the neoliberal status quo make any sense seem- to anybody seem optimal yes but honestly like i don't know i welcome to the independent state of new york i don't know what to tell like at this point like i mean i wasn't i wasn't meaning to go here with this but uh, but honestly yeah i have been reading a lot of you know for for the for the people that are willing right now to speculate on the future of the united states i think the cutting edge of it is going in that direction where yeah you're probably going to see fracture if it goes well Oh, probably. Yeah, you know I what mean, I'm saying because if it, it, we are going towards a one-party authoritarian like situation, and if that happens, they won't allow that to happen. But if you can get some sort of ulterior movement in that situation, you probably will see fracture and secession. Yeah. Oh, great. But anyway, uh, that that was all a good conversation. But that was all just a manner of saying like that's the reason why I don't think people should feel compelled to vote for Joe Biden. You're just oh, so you're telling me I don't have to learn how to vote sick uh you already did learn how to vote and you should vote vote in down ballot things that affect your life more directly Mm. but um a protest vote in our situation is not the same thing as protest votes against al gore huh you're protesting an entire insidious force rather than an individual and that is worth it you should do that well you know if you live in a swing state though i'll say this to our listeners in ohio don't know if we have any in florida Use your heart on this one. I can't tell you what to do. I don't know what I would do. I would probably vote for Biden. But if you don't live in a state like that, fuck it. Just definitely do not do that. Well, that's also probably not going to be great as an idea, if only because there's no one like running oversight on $3 trillion that were just like, went burr. Like, I don't right. know. Like, that's bad. Like, that's ultimately truly terrible. That's how you actually like incite like riots where you're just like i have no money and you just gave away three trillion dollars because i don't know how many zeros that has like that's bad like it it is it is really bad but the alternative situation again is that again full economic collapse well no let's let's say joe biden wins and the coronavirus pandemic happens then right Mm. let's set aside all the mitigating factors there and just use that in a vacuum Mm -hmm. what happens is they distribute that three trillion dollars right and yes there is better leadership this was that whole podcast guy's argument mm-hmm. that the Democrats are better leaders. So in spite of all this, like Pod Save America or some shit. No, 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 no. It's John Roderick. I've talked oh. about him on here before. He's a good dude, and I like his stuff. But setting him aside, like the whole idea was that Democrats bring better leadership and they prioritize diplomacy and statement uh, uh, and statesmanship, right? And I think that is true. But now, so you take that three trillion dollar package and you assume that the person in charge of it doesn't keep getting fired like Donald Trump keeps doing. Yeah. Great. You have steady leadership, but you also have much more severe austerity politics surrounding it and a better presentation of that. So rather than everybody getting a twelve hundred dollar check right now, it's a thousand dollar check and you better be grateful for it. Ew. So, yeah, there's there's trade offs to everything. And like sloppy leadership 
it's not ideal, but neither is better leadership in a neoliberal context. Well, it could be worse. We just don't know. And so I don't think voting for the lesser of two evils applies here. That's the fundamental thesis I'm saying. Is like you're not voting like, for the lesser of two evils. You're voting for one evil or the other with certain unknown quantities. How about we just borrow Ang- Angela Merkel for like two years? No, so I don't like, know. Hey, I mean, do you want to turn this whole episode into a politics episode? Because I could go on and on. I'd rather not. Yeah, because I don't have that much to say. I just want to, you know, I just want to bar- borrow her. And be like, hey, girl, I make paintings. Can I get five grand? She'd be like, yeah. Yeah, it's in your bank account. And I'd be like, sick. I, I can't resist. I mean, if you look at the situation in Germany, like, yes, their efficiency in distributing their resources and their generosity is better. But Angela Merkel and the European Union have a stranglehold on other countries like Italy where the crisis oh, is yeah. going badly and they're deliberately not helping them. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, because, you know, the Italians owe them money. Well, they owe them money by design. Because when they eliminated their own currency and went under the euro, now they have no ability to do what our Fed is doing and print their own resources. They have to rely on Germany and all the other partners for it. Oh, Greece. They already did this with Greece, yes, in 2007 and 2008. The entire prospect of the European Union was for Germany, France, and to a certain extent Great Britain to have a stranglehold on every lesser European country, and they did that through monetary policy. That's what the European Union is. So, yes, they're better neoliberal technocrats, but my whole argument is that fuck that. Hmm. Who cares if they're better? That's way more insidious than Trump. Uh-oh. Well. I think that's going to ruffle feathers with people, but that, uh, that but, yeah. but uh, that's yeah. fine. I actually think that's an accurate assessment. Well, with with the new haircut and then all of that, I'm like, well, we have to just do a sweep every couple of days, make sure there's no no wires that are being... Make sure there's not a swastika hiding on the yeah, back I'm of my head. So, oh, boy. I'm like, uh-oh. Like, like, is he writing letters? Are there magazines all of a sudden with, like, letters cut out? Like, I don't know. Um, you know. Is there anything that's been uh, on your mind over the course of the last week that you want to talk about before we get into our main segment? No. I don't think so. I mean, hmm. it's interesting how little is on your mind at any given time. <laughs> I process everything. I don't, I don't, dwe- I, I don't know. Like I don't dwell on things and hold them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like this is why I was playing with color aid. Cause I, like the, uh, the level of mindlessness, but active like synapse firing is so high and so sensitive that I'm like, this is very satisfying. It it's work. It's brain work. Yeah. But it's not, holding on to anything because it's just instant like yes no yes no like your brain is doing all these quick fire challenges like you're on top chef right but it's it's nothing that you can hold on to it's nothing like oh i was really thinking about what orange meant i don't give a fuck what orange means like you know because i wanted a painting to have like symbolic color choice and i was like actually let's not one of them can one of them can't before we get bogged down too far in technical Sorry. details that you're not describing well, uh, I would I would like to give you two compliments. Well, one is to say, you remember that idea that Ulrika told me when I was in Nevada of don't grip it? Yeah. Well, you just accidentally said that you do that all the time. Yeah. Which is amazing. And that's a much healthier mental model for day-to-day living, COVID or not than what I do, which is overanalyze and try to figure things out constantly and then feel like I'm about to die and then start over again. No, no, no. (laughs) I learned that coping mechanism as a youth. Yeah, yeah. Like with, you know, problems, the troubles, 
of youth and i was like maybe in my old age i can finally oh i realized it okay cool right you're you're a veteran of your own private ira yes that that yeah. actually tracks yeah <laughs> um the catholics and the protestants in my own home were you know car bombing each other um well and i've been talking to talking to you about uh about this off mic to a certain extent too because uh in our nightly conversations when we're talking about art and stuff i've been really struck lately with uh how good of an artist you are in this sense because part of that not gripping it thing aside from psychological mental health is intuition like that's what that is you it is you're you're willing to you're willing to follow that and i think that's why you constantly resort to talking about your studio practice when asked what you're thinking about and you start to model it unconsciously in certain ways but that's because that's something that's always working in the back of my brain yeah like because of the you know having a day job for so long like or a money-making job for you know before that or any kind of money-making job it's like you're silently doing work because you're doing other mindless brainless tedium throughout the the rest of the day and then you're like try like the back burner of your brain's like okay and flip and you're like oh god one okay cool like well right that's the other thing is that you're really good at compartmentalizing like the kind of logistical thinking that one has to do for the sake of getting by meaning yeah. a day job or making money and then having your sort of organic or like dynamic intuition take over the rest of the time or in the background yeah. whereas i feel like for me and for a lot of people like those things are so mixed up that oh. disentangling them becomes the job rather than um being able to do one switch to the other and back yeah i got a render farm in my head it's just right. working it's just on a simmer all the time that's really impressive like both sides of your brain are able to almost it's like when the rock raises one eyebrow you know you're able mm. to do that one thing independently it's actually not hard it's like winking you just go mm. well sure i just think there's i just think there's two different kinds of people like drummers in a band do the same thing with their feet and their arms which i can't do at all oh i, I don't know how to do that you know what i'm My saying body is not a but your way. mental model is a similar system mm. yeah maybe right mm. kind of yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I, I just have not been I've not been stressed one day beyond like the going out into the world stresses. Right. Other than that, I'm like very zen. Even zen about getting like furloughed or whatever. I was like knew it was coming. Yeah, accepted yeah. Accepted it. How do we do this? Okay, great. I'll do it on Tuesday. Did it on Tuesday. Like everything's just very placid and I don't know if that's insane or just well adjusted, I have to say I think it's pretty well adjusted. I think a, I think a but lot, but it's a lot of repression probably too. But I don't know, like that part I don't even notice anymore. That's definitely an element to it. Can I speak to that? I'm afraid you won't want to talk about this on the podcast. Catholic repression, gay repression. Oh, yep, been there, done that. I, well, yeah. I think I think partly why you're so good at doing this is that being closeted for a long time necessitates this. Oh yeah, it's a safety so, mechanism. And add like, on top Ooh. of that, being Catholic, I mean. You, yeah, you've got repression and split brain dynamics. Like, that is your whole thing. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Listen, when the world goes crazy, I go, this this actually is fine. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. it's not that bad. Well, you know. Could I, be worse. Um, it's totally anecdotal, but I've heard Jewish people talk in those terms, too. Where, like, they, there's this. I'm an aspirational Jew. We know Of this. course, which, which adds to it. But uh, there's this constant hum in the background of threat. As like just the genetic memory of the Holocaust or the living yeah. memory of it, right? Yeah. And then so Jewish people are sometimes calmer under calamity than under normal life yeah. because that's what they're like prepared for. 
Yeah. That's why I love the scrum of like busy retail time when literally people are scrambling all over the place. I'm like, this is great. I love this shit. Right. Gives you something to organize. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I can handle this. Everyone like it gets very like, you know, the the spell of the thousand arms, Doctor Strange yeah, style. Yeah, and I just totally. go, okay, turn let's into a do Vishnu it. or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh and it's like I have become death, destroyer of shoes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, people are like, why are you calm? Like, I love this shit. It's just like, it's kind of like the old thing of like, you know, there was this like story I was told when I was young. Like, there was this piano player, like a master class, like beautiful piano player, man. Um, But also terrible alcoholic. So he like couldn't, because of nerves of stage fright or whatever. Yeah. Like couldn't play anymore because he was just a fucking like personal wreck. But, like, in his old age, there was no one who could tune a piano better than him. Oh, wow. But you had to get him shit can hammered. To tune it, not to play it. Oh, interesting. he could just unlock it and not be self-conscious. Right, right, right. And I'm like, you know, like, I like crazy because then I can just zen out. Yeah, interesting. Oh, man. I, I kind of, in some ways, feel so opposite to that. Like, do you yeah, know? Yeah, you don't do well with crazy. You feed off of it. Yes. Well, here's the thing. Do you know the story about Kelsey Grammer and working on Frasier? You mean Frasier? Frasier. You never saw 30 Rock. Never mind. No. Sorry. <sighs> Blowing the bit, as usual. Anyway. Damn it. Um, Kelsey Grammer was doing a ton of drugs and was getting blackout drunk constantly through the filming of Frasier. Hmm. But. When the cameras would come on, he would snap into character perfectly. immediately. And given what that character is, how unbelievable is it that he's going, "Hey, Betsy, give me a fucking vodka," and then he's like, "Crane," you, you know, like, like the well, because that show is all about timing, right? To be shit can hammy and have timing like that and have to deliver expedient lines of dialogue. No, thank you. I can't do that. Right, right. I'm barely fucking talking. I had half a glass of gin. But, you know, see, coming back to me, like, that's where I thrive. I think I, I because I've been feeling a similar Zen mood. I know it doesn't appear no, like it because no. my style is to continue to oscillate, right? But that's on the top of the stack. Mm. Underneath that, I feel way better than I've ever felt in years. Mm. Like, like stretching back long, almost longer than before I can remember. Mm. Like, back to high school or something, huh. you know, where, like, my day-to-day um, second and third levels are awesome right now Hmm. and it it has everything to do with not having any responsibilities oh you know so like in in terms of my childhood that's where it's regressive for me where maybe Uh. you like learned from yours you had to repress at the time but now you've transcended it my return to having zero responsibilities is the best thing that's ever happened to me oh well and but but it comes with adulthood in the sense that i have conscious knowledge of that yes so i can allow my top layer to oscillate I don't know what these layers you're talking about. I'm just talking about layers of personality. Like, oh. So as I appear to you day to day, I appear as the same person, right? Mm. No. I know when I get the crazy one. I'm like, oh, God. Well, that's the thing. You're used to the different facets yeah. is what I'm saying. So those still maintain up yeah. there on the surface. The but nodes, I, but yes. I have an entire inner life, as I'm sure you do, that you have no access to, right? Yeah. You as the other party, I mean. I Wait, what? Like, I don't have... In- you don't have access to my inner life. No, and the no, same no, that no, I no. don't to yeah. yours, right? Yeah. And there might even be sub-levels to that, because all of a sudden you're talking about your unconscious now and other things. Yeah. So I'm saying that, like, on the sub-levels, it feels great right now. And hmm. it does feel very zen. And it makes me 
more interesting, I think, on some levels on the top because I can play around with the facets of my personality knowingly rather than let them be in control. Why give them control at all? Uh, because it's fun. Because that's the style layer. That's where you can mm. exercise and play a little bit. Like shaving my head is an aspect of this, right? It seems like a crazy gesture, and I know that it comes <sighs> off that way. It just looks crazy. And it looks crazy, yeah. but I'm just having a little fun. Rather than it being done out of true desperation, I'm like, hey, I feel desperate. I should shave my head. Yeah. If I just followed that impulse through and was like weeping while I did it, instead I woke up and it was a blast. <laughs> That's the difference. Okay, right? fair. Yeah, you didn't have a Britney moment. No. You had like a... I had a, I'm about to have a Britney moment. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. If, I'm serious. <clears throat> so that's, that's the change in me. And it's been, it's been really fun watching that happen. And it's been fun talking to you because I feel like our conversations are better in general uh, when both of us are on this keel, right? Well, yeah, I'm also like not tired. That's huge for you, yeah. Like, I, except I am. Like, I, I, I take what... I call rage naps when I read something or I get like a text and I'm like, <sighs> like I usually get to like at work, just be like, okay. And then just take a moment, either walk around the block or whatever, or just be like, I'm going to go in the back. I'll be right back. Bye bye. Like, and just stretch it out. But I sure. like, I can't like, there's nowhere to go. So I just go, I'm just going to shut down. We're going to reboot this and I'll be back in 15. See, oh yeah. That's an interesting insight. That that should give you something to work on. Oh yeah, it's very it's a terrible coping skill. Yeah, yeah. But like after like yeah, after the birthing and the times and then the fucking thing that was I was like I just woke up, but I am so tired. I just want to spell it out for the listener to be extra clear when Will saw the um money printer go burr meme referenced in the times this morning. His first impulse was to go back to sleep. Yeah, He had gotten up, exited his room. We all know how difficult that process can be sometimes. Got all the way to the couch, saw the meme, and then decided no, it was time I, like, to No, I had back. breakfast and then was like fully like, okay, and then went, uh, and then just, I feel like I need a nap going yeah, yeah. to the couch. Um, and I was like, that's why it's like, I have to go to the studio now. Otherwise, like, no, it's just going to be sad time and I'm going to work through it. Well, there you go. You you coped it out. You had to do a little bit of it, but you picked yourself up by your bootstraps and made it work. Yeah. <laughs> As Republican I'm good, Tim Gunn says. Yeah, I'm a good boomer. <laughs> um, sure, what the fuck ever. Yeah, and I went and then made no money and actually spent money by using, you know, a quarter of an inch of fucking flash on a painting. So anyway. Uh, who cares about money, man? Money printer go burr. <sighs> My heckin' stockerinos. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> okay. Uh. Well, how do you feel? Do you want to? No, I'm not. I'm just scrolling my new my new flavors. That's really distracting. I know. Do Do you want to move on to our? Are we doing book club or are we doing uh the questionnaire? Here's what I want to offer. I have a ton to say about Mao too. Like, I feel like I could do an entire episode on it. Okay. And we've just done like 40 minutes in. And if we're gonna combine submission with that, I think we should do your little questionnaire. A separato. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Did I screenshot it? Hold, please. While we're doing that, we're going to play Jeopardy. Oh, fuck. Well. Can't do both. Can't do both. Um, Do you want to pull it up on your computer so you can do both? Um, and we'll no, cut this fine. part out. No, I got it. Okay. All right. The Proust questionnaire. 
Uh, no, hang on, hang on. Can can I introduce this, please? Sure. Y- you can introduce the Proust questionnaire, but I want to say that we were just batting around ideas for the podcast late one night, and Will threw this out there, and I thought it was a good idea. I also think it fits thematically in what we just did pretty well. Oh, yeah. And I have not read these questions except for a quick scan three nights ago, so I have no idea really what I'm in for here. I know the gist of I it. I mean, but... you ever pick up a Vanity Fair? No. Yeah, well, Okay. Um, well, we, we could have, we were also, we got a submission that we should take the quiz of what, uh, character are we, but that's just too hard to do uh, as a verbal medium. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work so well, but you can, you came up with this. Can you introduce what the Proust questionnaire is like historically? What's the context work? Cause I don't even know. Uh, the questionnaire was invented by Marcel Proust, noted French author, the, the mad line guy, you know, you want a cookie and it's going to bring back all your memories. Um, these memory, these questions are frequently used in interviews and whatever, like it's, you can use it as a way to interrogate, like if you're a writer, like motivations of your own fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I see. That kind of thing. Like you're just like, what would they do? And like, it's instead of just like being descriptive, it gets to an inner life. Right. And you don't necessarily have to like go interview a doctor. If you're trying to write a doctor character, you can suss out their motivations through through this script. From what you know in the world. And like, it's like a lot of times like, uh, on the back pages of Vanity Fair or whatever, it's like people say things that have subtext that they don't even know sometimes. And then you're like, ooh, interesting. Gotcha. So gotcha. it's like it's a revelation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's that's perfect for this right now. All right. So you want to do the first one? Pr- Proust questionnaire. All right. Yeah. What do you consider your greatest achievement? This it's inter- Is that just the first one on the list you're asking in order? That's the first one on the list. Okay. Or do you the, want me to jump around? No, 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 no. Um, the thing that I have to admit is that I do remember that question. Okay. I just said a second ago that I don't remember any of them. I'm I'm Jin. not lying that this is the only one that I do remember. So unfortunately, I've had time to think about it. Boo. I know. I know. It'll get more interesting later. But my genuine answer to that question is after a little bit of thought, I was like, I legitimately don't know. Okay. Like I couldn't I couldn't name one thing and my sister came to mind for me. So if we're talking about like unspoken motivations, I thought like I know what her greatest achievements are, and I know what she thinks they are, but I don't know my own because she huh. has children. And and I felt weird because my mind went to my sister and her children, and they're not my achievement. But in some way, I feel like maybe that's just genetic or familial. I felt like that's what I would say is them. Huh. But I didn't do anything. So I feel like it's not You're a just legitimate... a proud uncle. Yeah. I just feel like that's not a legitimate response to that question. I don't know. Uh, technically, no, because it's not yours. No. Yeah. No. If I had to name one thing, I mean, I, like, really, this is off the off the cuff now because I really don't know. I, I've made one painting in my life that I think is really, really amazing. Okay. Like, is a genuinely good work of art that could stand up against historical things. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the thing I would name. But it's so private that it also feels illegitimate. Like, it doesn't have enough of an audience for mm. that to be measured. Eh, right? Not necessarily. Um, idea of perfect happiness. Oh, boy. I, I can tell I'm going to hate this. I'm really in the hot seat right yeah, now. Yeah, this is hard. You know, per- perfect happiness for me is not that far off of what I'm feeling during the pandemic. 
Hmm. I have to say that like this quality of life, again, it has to do with lack of responsibility. I like to have personal responsibility, but I don't like to have responsibility for anybody else. That's huh. really difficult for me. So the only thing I could imagine that would be better is a similarly free, meaning stress-free and responsibility-free life, but with another person. Mm-hmm. So my answer would be love, I guess. Okay. Uh, you're you're going to go from like over-analytic to schmaltzy, and that's going to be your MO. Yeah. But it already is your MO, so I, totally. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, well, we, the next question is, what is your current state of mind? We just talked about that. Favorite occupation? Who cares? What's your most treasured possession? Ooh, give me a minute. I do have answers for this, or an, an answer for this, but let me think. Well, I'll just say it out loud since we're doing a podcast. I'll go through the thought par- mm-hmm. process as it's occurring to me. My, uh-huh. I, I first jumped to like a lot of the little trinkets that I have around the house and in my room that are just things with sentimental value. Like I have a coin from Liechtenstein. That reminds me of an entire trip that is mm-hmm. dear to me. Um, I have a lot of similar things to that. But the thing is, if I lost all those in a fire, right, I still have the memory. So mm-hmm. I don't think I treasure them as much as I say that I do because I don't go look at them all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't actively care for them. I don't dust them off. You know, um, the other thing that I was going to say is my library as an entity. The thing I do think about losing in a fire that would be an absolute tragedy to me, even though they're all replaceable to the last, is all my books. Yeah. I, I, I honestly think that's my answer because I'm sentimental enough that even the disposable paper object has value for me, the particular one. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, a coworker of mine that got laid off during this pandemic borrowed a book of mine that is a gift from my mother. Mm-hmm. And I think the chances are really low that I'll ever get that back. And I've been thinking about that a lot because it bothers me. And I could replace that hardcover for 20 bucks. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But the particular object and its significance the to provenance. me are lost forever. Yeah, mm, You could probably get it back. Um, most of them listen. Um, what is your most marked characteristic? This is like when Bernie Sanders was asked, like, what do you want to be remembered for? And he said, compassion. Uh I want to just copy him, but I know that's not true. So I'm going to pause and give it some more thought. Mm. Marked Mm -hmm. characteristic. See, it's difficult because I I keep operating on this level where I'm asking myself what I want other people to see me as. This is difficult as the whole questionnaire. This is kind of the point of it. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's why I'm talking it out, because you might as well see the third layer, which is the The person sitting just behind those two things, right? So I keep oscillating between what I hope that my most defining characteristic is, but I um, I think what it actually is is fear. Fear is your most marked characteristic. That is your signature. Your signature is fear. Yes. But in the, but in the KS, but in the deepest sense. I don't think that's my presentation. And that's the point that I'm making. Yeah, but the, But I think okay. what motivates the presentation is fear. And so I think whatever anybody else sees me as, it might be anxious, it might be charming. It, it might, it could be any number of things, but that's what's behind it. 
Hmm. Uh, when and where were you the most happiest? It's a terribly furry sentence, but oddly enough, that's the easiest one for me. But it's uh, the one that I've probably talked about the most on the podcast, whether it's in a humorous way or a serious way. It's my high school halcyon days, for sure. That's the happiest I ever was. Hmm. Well, speaking of, what is your greatest fear? I think my greatest fear is other people's perceptions and it keeps me in a feedback loop where you can't ever be unafraid because you're constantly evaluating what you cannot know, which is what somebody else is thinking. Hmm. Uh, what is your greatest regret? Um, oh boy. Or, do you, I, want, I, or you can get one pass on the entire... <laughs> I'm going to use the past, but I can explicate on it a little bit. I don't even want to black box the situation because it's too compromising. Mm-hmm. But like, I have done I have done things to women that I regret. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, that sounds more... I, and I know that sounds incredibly ominous. It's not what you're imagining. But it is abusive emotionally. Let's say that. <sighs> okay. Well... It wasn't intentional, but I can look back on it and say like, yeah, that's what it was. Okay, well... That sounded really, really bad the way you phrased it. Well, because well, it is. Because okay. it is. I can't, I mean, I, but I can't, but I can't lie about it. It's just okay. like, yeah, sorry. People make mistakes. Okay. Well, uh, da, 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 da. what do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? I think there's two sides to that. Like the 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 lowest depth of misery is easy to define when you think about it in practical terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like any extremity of suffering that humans go through, whether it's war or uh, you know violent violent trauma. I think is obviously the answer to that on one level, um, and the particulars of the situation mm-hmm. almost don't matter. Um, but the depths of misery for me are when I find myself caught in the feedback loop I described earlier. When I'm unable to break that, that's depression. That's the worst. What do you value what do you most value in your friends? I value when I can see in somebody's thinking something unique. So when I see or meet people at large i would say it's less than one out of 20 probably even rarer where you meet a person where the way that their mind operates is truly independent and that doesn't mean it always is but that it often and consistently is so i think that my friends are all really interesting people and that's what i value in them the most uh what do you consider the most overrated virtue Ambition, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shady bitch. Uh, What occasions do you lie? All the time, because everybody lies all the time. And and lies are not a zero-sum game, you know? Like, there's different reasons for doing that that are... Uh, range on a whole spectrum from gentle to malicious, but I will say I lie all the time, but I never maliciously lie. Hmm. Ever. Uh, what word or phrases do you most overuse? Uh, because I'm the editor of this podcast, the answer is the word right. 
Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I think on one level, I would want to slow down my thinking. And on another level, I'd want to speed it up. That is to say, I wish I had a better ability to improvise. And on the other hand, I wish that I was more thoughtful. Hmm. How would you like to die? Painlessly is the obvious answer. Well, yeah. But, but like, what are the conditions I'd want to be surrounded by? Uh, well, that's the way this I'm going to How answer. would you? The one word answer is painless, but the interesting proposition for me is like what are what's happening around you? So let's say you get that. You get this painless death, but what's going on in the room, right? And everybody always comes back to the cliche of you'd want to be surrounded by your friends and your family and it would be happy. And I guess that's what I think too. Like that's there's a reason that that's a cliche. So that's my answer. If you were to die and come back as a person or thing, what do you think it would be? Socket wrench. <laughs> no. What the fuck? <laughs> That's the wrong answer from Parks and Rec. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I don't know what I think it would be. I, I, I don't think that I have enough of a handle on who I am at the core to give an object answer. I don't. Hmm. What is your motto or mantra? We'll say motto is weird old, you know. 19th century situation uh for the duration of the pandemic it's you really have to let it die before you grieve it just let it go okay you received that though i know that Uh, but the answer to the question outside of covid is that i don't have one because i change it so i gave that answer because things will stick with me for periods of time and that's the one right now but i don't have an eternal one um the the closest thing i can think of is um a bee has to move very fast to stay still that's intriguing huh yeah that's the only one that that comes to mind it's from dfw well that also tracks all right so uh yeah thank you for playing the marcel cruz questionnaire um Um, that that was really good. I, I want to read it to you, but I feel like the game doesn't work the other way around necessarily. What do you mean? Because you you have all of my responses to think of now. No. I feel like we should wait an episode or two and then do yours. That's fine. I mean, you act like I have any memory left in my brain, but um, but I also feel like who wants to sit through Another two of one. them in a row? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we that's can good. save it for the next one. I don't think that's good story structure. Yeah, we can save it for the next one. Yeah. Um, or do you want me to actually? ask follow-ups based on the Proust questionnaire yeah go ahead go oh, ahead we're like, well, okay. well no, no 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 not on ba- not based on particular questions but like i feel like you wait well put it down let's I, let's I, approach I it this way visual yeah yeah, yeah. you can <clears> look at, you can look at it but like you must have heard things you didn't expect in fact i know you did so well, there's things that i just you know i the fear thing is the one that i want excuse the most i was like mm. like i i don't know like like this absence of a core repetition moment. Yeah. 
is very strange to me. Well, if only because it's not the perception that I think well, anyone be, has. Well, because it because it shouldn't be. Like, I don't know how much... See, this is an interesting podcast problem because I don't know how much I want to pull back the curtain on this, although I just did a lot of it. One of the threads through this conversation, right, was the idea of layers and levels. Yeah. And that's the way that I think about things. So what I'm attempting to do here, like, or what I was in in answer to those questions was let everybody see the second level, but there's still a third and a fourth and so on and so on. So that's what I mean by lack of core. It's only that I don't have access to those parts yet, but eventually maybe you can. Well, personalities are like an onion, right? It's series of skins. So like at the, at the end of the day, you end up with one little sliver of a bulb. That's, that's the core attached to the root. I don't know if I buy that model. Okay. I, I I actually I actually don't think that that has been borne out in my experience very much. I've seen an infinite peeling of skins, and yet no core. And I don't think that's due to lack of trying. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody could accuse me of that, even myself, which is saying something. Mm, that's surprise. And it leads me to believe that the world functions differently, that that's actually not like a useful analogy. Well, it's an analogy that would have been used in the time of Proust writing. Honestly, like this is why this questionnaire is set up. I skipped a bunch of them. Cause I was like, sure, sure. Ones. They're just shallow. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, what's your favorite name? Who gives a fuck? Well, there's um, an, in- well, there's an interesting part to that, which is like, yes, because we live in a very different time. We only saw the tail end of modernity, right? Like, yeah, the, this the is arch, a modern, the arch individualist that believes there is a core to themselves um, was a useful stepping stone to a different kind of thinking about consciousness. Yeah. And I w- don't think it squares with my perception. Yeah. Because we live in a different time. Well, you're a mushroom. And so what do you mean by that? Rhizome, baby. Yes, but I but this is the other part. Also it, doesn't is square. I do not believe in the like post-structuralist idea that everything is lateral and kind of infinitely webbing. I think the architecture of consciousness and like by extension the whole universe is probably some um probably something close to a squaring of the circle between geometry and like orga- organicism. Yeah. So I don't I don't buy either thing. Fair. Total relativism makes no sense to me. And um, I think, therefore, I am also makes no sense to me. So I try to hybridize them all the time, which is a constant frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there is a core to me. I don't think there's a core to you either. I think it's just a matter of where you locate yourself in that scheme hmm. and how you approach the question. That's the, yeah. like, that's the part that transcends, like, any modernist's interpretation of this is that there is an objective reality and there is an interior reality. Therefore, we can solve objective reality. I say, no, neither thing is true, but you have to know where you are in both places all the time. And that's a frustrating challenge. Hmm. Is it? Yeah, I think it's really complicated. I don't, I, I'm, I'm on the verge of thinking it's not that frustrating anymore. Yeah, which is which is which is part of my change of mood. But like, but well, we've like arrived at these realizations differently. Yeah, like you have better intuition to this subject than I do. So you've always already known it, but never spoken it out loud. 
finding the words is hard. So my process is more like describing it first and then feeling it second. So that's why I feel better now is that I've described the complexity to myself thoroughly enough to start to orient myself. Oh. So I feel centered in that sense, but the position and destination is still unknown. So like in Zelda terms, you're a map guy, I'm a compass guy? 100%. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Except I think there's, there's a, well, you know what? I th- no, compass actually works for me. I think that's a, there's a difference though, because yes, you have a compass, but it's not a tool that you're looking at that, no. like, that is an already prescribed system. One's internal compass is a totally subjective reality. Oh yeah. So like my, my constant probing of you, just about any of your ideas is always trying to define that compass. Whereas you have no interest in defining the compass at all. Truly. You just use it. Yeah. Right. It's a tool. That's what it's there for. I don't have to describe it. I don't have to... It's for circumnavigating. It's not to circumnavigate. Yeah, I have to, like, turn the hammer over in my hands and really feel it and investigate it before I figure out how to use it. Yeah, fuck that. Right. Fucking waste of goddamn time. Oh, it may... Well, I, I, I said this to you one of these other nights. Like, it makes you a much more competent person than I... I thought you said you were more competent. No, no. Oh. I, I said I was more intelligent. I think you're more competent. Huh. And that's like a real act of hubris to say on the podcast. But I honestly but I honestly think that's like a pretty fair assessment. Although intelligence is subjective too. And this is where we start to go down this ladder for me. Yeah. Of like, I, I already misspoke. Because Scaled I don't, kinds of intelligence. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're less intelligent. I just think they're... I'll put it more generically. Like, I think you have... I think you have a quality for use and I have a quality for description. Neither thing is better. Um, yeah. But it leads people in their circumstances down different routes. And the reason I call you competent is that I think you've done a pretty good job with what you have. And I think I've done, a, you know, maybe the unconscious reason I call myself intelligent is that I think I've done a pretty bad job with what I have. But I'm getting better. Hmm. Intrigue. Yeah. I mean, like, this is this is the reason why this questionnaire still has, like, some semblance of clout. Because you do those, that series of questions, it causes the introspection, the pause. Like, the pause is a hard thing to achieve. To actually think about those things, that's why you're like, uh, I have to talk this out. Well, A, because it's a podcast. Um, famously non-visual or, you know, not a panel where you can just sit there and go, hmm... Right. Let it ride. But like it, it's these aftershock realizations of why did I answer that way? Like, I think that's why, like, you know, you, or I guess the Vanity Fair thing is 75 questions because it's like, why would you answer in such a way? Is right. the real question that I think like gets to the core of a personality or not even a personality, but just like. Uh, yeah, I I don't have a better word right now than personality, but well, like it, a, it gives you a raison d'etre. Yes, it gives you a raison d'etre. And and I mean in in slightly zoomed out terms, what it gives you is rules for the game. Like yeah. my responses to that questionnaire are way different knowing that that's what it's for. Yeah. And wink wink to the audience if you don't already know this. That's what all these questionnaires are for. So if you're answering the Marvel who are you character quiz and you get a response you didn't like, well there's your hint. 
don't answer unreflexively, yeah. you have to go a couple levels back. See, I did the 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 character quiz and was just kind of like, yeah, yep, yep, and just sliding it and mostly sixty forty, like back and forth. Yeah, I think I think mo- most answers are sixty forty, unless unless it was like, are you extravagant or frugal? And I was like, bitch. right, right, right. <laughs> like, I don't care. Well, even in the questionnaire you gave to me, there was one or two answers in there where I had a definitive answer. Yeah, like I I think that. Um, in my estimation, really, really intelligent and interesting people, they always have definitive answers and they speak from those, yeah. but they still manage to have um, an analysis and like a way of speaking around everything. Yeah. And th- th- that would be my goal as a person. Like I am working on refining like a certain set of virtues, right? Um, but those virtues don't have to be the biblical ones. They don't have to be anything. You have to sort but of invent them. You weren't like... Maybe I just have a shitty memory, but you were an aesthetic hard ass. And like Like in school, yeah. Yeah, like I mean granted, like no one could top Queen Bitch over here, but like you know, like I recognize that in my like at some point in life, like expanding your Catholicism, lowercase C, of like openness and positioning like is actually more important than just being right yeah of course because i realized i was like oh this is this is just stupid like i don't want to do this anymore right like there's no joy in it and there was no joy to begin with like i was just hoisted the idea that it's joyful to be right and it's like "Eh, fuck you like well that that's the that's the difference between a pedant and like a skilled rhetorician is again it's this idea from speaking from first principles speaking from pure judgment yeah. With no real goal. And without feeling. You don't actually have a reason to See, feel that. Th- that that's, that's the difference between you and I. Is that, yes, I was an equivalent or nearly equivalent aesthetic hard ass as you. But I was operating from what I thought my first principles were at that time. Mm-hmm. I had a sincere faith and like dedication to formalism in the Greenbergian mold. Yeah. And I was kicking against the pricks of like basically the postmodern conversation throughout undergrad and grad school. I wanted that to go away. Yeah. Um, and that didn't work for me because that's an obviously flawed model. So I've adapted it. And I think I said as much a minute ago and I said, now the difference or now the goal for me is sort of a unification of a hard line formalism and a fluid theorizing. Hmm. So I just learned from it. I didn't drop that on a day. It wasn't a realization, really. It was a long process of figuring out where was I coming from? Where am I going? How do I rectify it? Hmm. Yeah, I, that that just is aging and self actual. Like, I don't know what to. I don't know. Yeah. Why you, did you giggle? Why did you giggle and look at me? Uh, well, because that's what you would say. Well, <laughs> duh. <laughs> uh, Be, because again, it's. I mean, we're sort of just. Now we're just repeating ourselves, but I think it's worth bearing out that like, it's just back to this idea that that's a tool you never needed to describe to be able to use. I had to do a lot of figuring out to be able to use it. Mm. So you might've realized that uh, on some day when you were 23, like, oh, never mind. And just gotten on (laughs) with it, right? And uh, and for me, it was a struggle (laughs) of like 12 years of thinking about it every day on a micro level. Oh, no. You know, no. Yeah. You see one show and you're like, all right, I don't need to be that yeah, way. Yeah, you, you, can, you can grok things instantly. 
Yeah. It's a re- it's a real skill of yours. That's hard for other people to do. That's hard for me to do. Oh, I I mean part of it is part of Catholic repression. Yeah. Is just like you learn at a certain point your first instinct you just bury it down just to keep the poker face like because i have a terrible poker face even st- like who fucking cares i i don't whatever right like i, I can't keep things on my face because i'll just be like <sighs> like everyone knows this but like i can push those the judgment as the first thing all the way down to be the last thing so i can process and then make an assessment versus just judgment and then process that's interesting will because your self-presentation is exactly the opposite Uh like i wonder what explains that well only child you practice social interaction a lot so you i I, i'm getting it now this is a real therapy session you you (laughs) you you felt like you had to overcompensate in in terms of judgment because you realized that other people were mostly judging so it made sense to be a competent judge of things, even though you were really feeling a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you turned and you turned that into a personality pretty quickly. But, you, you, you know, I think the the defining thread in all of this is trauma, basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I don't... The thing that's interesting about this conversation is it's nice to talk about trauma without the constant umbrella of victimhood. Because yeah. I don't think you or I think of ourselves as victims at all. But I think our traumas have led to different avenues for There's, sure. From experience, if you think of yourself as pure victim, like, you're not going to get along. I don't know. That works for me. I just go, like, whatever. Like, I, I, I could go into, like, uh, like, uh, like, no. Like, I, the dwelling on it is the part that I'm like, okay, that's useless. Like, that... You know, I know it motivates, but we're not going to deal with it because it's fucking useless for right now. I was going to the same place. Yes. Victimhood is an okay motivator, but it's an unwinnable game. So there's really no there's really no point in being within it all the time. The end note of that is acceptance and moving on. It's like if you just go like, well, fuck it, even if you just don't. (laughs) Hi. Uh, You can still just like it's not important enough to think about. Right. And at the end of the day, you just kind of go, yeah, that happened. Whatever. Who cares? The thing you just said about acceptance is the most revealing thing you've ever said on the podcast. Huh? I'm not going to, I'm not going to dig into it, but I just want the listener to note that Mm. from about 10 seconds ago. Well, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I, I've explained that my mind is a terrible, terrible place to ever go into like that. That's a shrub maze, a labyrinth that, I mean, good hey, fucking luck. Hey, listen, I mean, I'll keep going if you want to. I was trying to let you off the hook, but if you want to get real vulnerable on the podcast, let's go. We can do it. I, I Not really, but I mean, okay. I don't know. I was just explaining that it's a, it is a shit show up there. I, I know. I know. What? Um, do, do you want to take a like sound break and then we can decide or I can decide? Well, I think we should formally end the show and we can decide if we want to come back. How's that? Oh, that's fine. Uh, do I need a sound break for this? Hold on. Hmm. Where are my fun new ones? That was that was shitty. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't have another uh, fun sound thing. So. <laughs> okay. So, geez, got to cut all that part out now. Jesus. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm here to waste time.
So we should just we should just say that I think our next episode is going to be exciting too because I don't know how much you have to say about your book, but I have a lot to say about my book, and we have a book club episode coming up. Maybe we'll record it in a couple of days because I feel like that doesn't depend on mood. No, or uh, that's we can just, just an easy it. breezy. Yeah, I. Mm, I this was a bad book. I didn't like. It ended very well. Badly. Well, 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 we'll we'll talk about it on the book show. Well, if you want to catch up, you can crank out submission by michelle hollebeck and mao Two by don delillo and probably can read them in like three days uh if if you're a fast inattentive reader like will i had to rush through an absolute treasure of a novel just for a podcast we didn't record yet (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) whatever all right okay signing off bye